we did this. We drilled the bottom of the ocean. We took too much, and now she's taking back. We're not supposed to be down here. No one is. A similar sentiment that we both felt when we seen some filmmakers plumb the depths of Lovecraft's catalog. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of cinematic H.P. Lovecraft adaptations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be reviewing 2020's Underwater, written by Brian Duffield and Adam Cozard, and directed by William Eubank. And now, this was my second time seeing it, because I saw it in the theaters when it came out in January, which was only five months ago, and yet has seemed like it's been, it was last year sometime. You know, it's funny you say that, because, like, it was a film that I really, I I did want to see in the theaters, mm-hmm. and then I'm thinking, like, wow, like, that must have came out a long time ago, like, you know, in, in my head. <laughs> No, we've we've just lived through a lot of shit <laughs> since then. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's it's been a lot. And you know what? If if there was a, a story sometime today about you know a, a underwater um my, hell, if there was another like um uh, Valdez or underwater oil pipe explosion, I'd be like yeah, that's that's kind of a that's it's for the times basically. Yes, definitely, definitely. But, but now, um, yes, I. I as someone who has watched it again on a relatively big screen, it was a good big screen experience. But this was your first time, so before we even get into it, I just kind of want to hear what your kind of first impressions of this were. Well, yeah, it's funny too because like we, before we started um, recording, um, I had to watch this in a way I don't like to watch movies, which <laughs> is on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a like a warning for people. But I'll be honest, like the. My first impression was the sound design was really good, mm-hmm. especially like via a phone because having my headphones on and just like waiting and then the booming and like the little like, you know, whispers and like mm-hmm. creepy like growls. And I'm like, okay, like this is cool. And the other thing, like first impression, and this is actually a positive for me is it basically is an alien film like yeah. it, it, it's a it, not a knockoff but it's it's kind of in that same vein of like when alien came out then everyone did ripoff versions and then when like the abyss came out mm-hmm. then everyone made ripoffs of the abyss but they the funny thing about the abyss ripoffs were they were very much like alien <laughs> yeah which is just funny because like they couldn't really replicate the abyss so they went you know what alien worked mm-hmm. we'll just do like weird things on the water so like you had like leviathan the rift you had um deep star six um all these other ones and like to me that actually was a positive i was like really digging this i was you know the claustrophobic nature yeah, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and kristen stewart like yeah like robert pattinson both of them have done very well since the Twilight films. <laughs> yeah. And and another film we'll probably be covering at some point is, which I have not seen yet, is The Lighthouse. Oh, which man. also is very, from what I've heard, mm-hmm. is Lovecraftian as well. So it's kind of funny that they both kind of made films in the same time period that maybe you know you know like like at a glance or maybe like you could see something within it Mm -hmm. and i kind of find that very weird that they just happen but completely different spectrum i know yeah you know one's an action horror film the other one 
not even from the clips I've seen. I'm like, and I, I actually just bought it for really cheap, and I, I can't wait to watch it. It's just I'm already creeped out by the farting and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's a very hard movie to describe it made awesome uh, it made it made my my top 10 list of 2019 i think it was somewhere in the middle maybe like the the five six seven uh area and it's the best the best thing i can say about is there was moments in the movie when i was like i need to either leave the theater or the screen to combust to just release me from this tension and this anxiety it's just that and um, Uncut Gems were probably the two most anxious viewing experiences I, I could think of in, in 2019. So yeah, Uncut, Uncut Gems, yeah, that that film is like heart pounding. Yeah, you know? like it's like what the freaking hell am I want? Like where is this gonna go? Mm. So that's good to hear. The Lighthouse is like that too. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking no. about Underwater. But when you saw it, like originally the first time, mm-hmm. um, what like what which theater did you see it at? Um, I think we saw it at the AMC on like 86th over there on the the Upper West Side. Like it, it wasn't okay. It wasn't the biggest screen, but it was a, it was a it was a theater where they have those uh, leather recliners, so we can kind of like sit back and and relax. And and it was nice. I, re- I remember my like both of our I saw it with my wife, and our, our impressions were both like you know for a January movie that wasn't bad. Right, I, I, I'm you know watching it like I said, like I rented it on Amazon, you know, five ninety nine, and I rarely rent stuff on Amazon too. And I'm like, oh, five ninety nine HD looked great, and yeah, yeah, for a January release, I'm like, why did this get dumped in January? Mm-hmm. Well, in it's funny because uh, um, <laughs> it's not funny, but it, it's interesting <laughs> or, or coincidental that you bring that up because mm-hmm. one of the things I, I did. I did think about that, and the IMDb trivia has says it, is that it was um since th- this was kind of a movie that seemed to get lost or discarded in the shuffle when Disney purchased 20th Century Fox. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Beca- yeah, because they filmed it in 2017, so this was uh, ready for a few years. Holy but then shit. in the shuffle with the purchase, I think it just kind of got dumped in January because they're like, you know, this, you know, Disney obviously Disney is going to promote Disney's shit. Um, and this was, right. you know, it, it's kind of the thing of a, when a new GM takes over a sports team and it's like, well, get rid of the coach. You're not my guy. I need to get someone else in here. So like th- this was right. not their property. So I'm sure they didn't care about it. And so they just kind of dumped it in January where no one would uh, really pay much attention to it, which is a shame because it's not a great film. But I mean, this was this raked in like only about 40 million on a budget between like 50 and 80. And like it, it deserved yeah. better, actually, I think. I think so, too. Like, I, I mean, it's, you know. What I like about it, it, it's a small cast also. One of the negatives, and we'll, we'll probably talk about it like throughout, is um, to me the, the true villain of the piece is T.J. Miller. Every time <laughs> I see him, yeah. I, just, I just cringe. And mm-hmm. like, I, I, you know, I think of all the stuff he's been accused of and whatever, and I'm just like, so that's it makes more sense if it was 2017 because yeah I know he's kind of been like you know quote unquote canceled you mm-hmm. know like he's not really working like on new in new stuff in the last like year or two but yeah so it's weird to see him just pop up out of nowhere but now it makes sense it's like that's yeah. when he was like Silicon Valley was doing like great and we need comic relief mm-hmm. throw right. throw T J Miller in there 
And I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, I kind of cracked up with a few things, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and I, and I kind of was like, why the hell am I, and, you know, and then I, I kind of like that he quoted, uh, Alice in Wonderland, like, yep. you know, through the looking glass. I kind of dug that. I was like, oh, okay. He said, oh, it's from a book. <laughs> like, you know, but, but I mean, you know, I was happy to see also uh, Vincent Cassell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, 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 love that guy. And, and it's weird to think the whole time I'm watching it, because I'm used to him be, playing, like, such great villains and great, like, scumbags, mm-hmm. I was waiting for him, like, some twist. Like every so often, you know, like they kind of almost like showed something like with like you know something weird with him, but yeah. but nothing ever like comes from that. Like especially like that one. I mean, we're kind of I'm jumping ahead, but like there was one line I just remember where they asked the Emily, the one of the girls, asks him about his daughter, and she mm-hmm. says he says she's 14, mm-hmm. and then Nora, you know, Kristen Stewart's like, uh, no, she's not like. She's like my age. Like, was that well, something? That, that that's a. It's explained in sort of a blink if you miss it moment, or if you were watching it when you might have been distracted. Because right. when later on, when uh, Nora is by herself in that that kind of drilling facility where she's calling out to everyone, she just and she discovers his locker. Oh right, okay, that's what that was. And when he sees, yeah, the, so when his, she sees the picture, yeah, his daughter passed away when she was fourteen, so he's just kind of perpetual. And so it it ties oh, in. So he's, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So now. Okay. it's it's Thank supposed you. to tie into this uh, the this idea of loss and the the kind mm-hmm. of arc where Nora goes through, where then it's Emily and I forget his name, but John Gallagher's character to kind Smith. of like Smith. Yeah, yeah Smith because like you know they're they're a complete you know. Uh, item unit basically whereas Kristen Stewart's character it's also hinted at that she has lost someone as well so it's exactly it, it, it did it did kind of uh kind of create this environment that I sort of enjoyed where sort of a a bunch of broken people trying to get away from their lives so they go six and a half miles like below the water to just kind of escape from everything I, yeah, I kind of like that like it, it almost in a weird way like there's um an anime called Lily Cat and it's and again it's a it's an alien ripoff, mm-hmm. but it's an anime, and it's basically like people go through hyperspace. And the cool concept is this one guy supposedly gets, you know, like, and it's like whatever it is, like you you go ahead like I don't know thirty years or sixty years in the future, and one of the guys is supposedly a criminal, mm-hmm. and it's like that's brilliant. Like you would hide out, and then by the time you get like you leave the people going after you are dead now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a kind of a, I always like that, like in sci-fi type stuff where people use like these long excursion trips of like, you know, their job or something to escape mm-hmm. reality almost. And throughout the whole thing, like she even talks, you know, like uh, Nora talks about like, you know, time and like the darkness and like how you you lose track of time because it, it you know when it's dark all the time and you don't know like yeah. you wait you know you there's wait you know there's waking and there's dreaming mm-hmm. and i and again that right from the start i'm like okay this it has that little little string of like lovecraftian like hint like you know about the dreaming and like what's real and what's not and like even when you start seeing these like you hear the growls and you see like maybe something in like in the in the distance and you're like what the hell did 
what what did I just see? Because they just kind of saw something too. And then of course it ramps up. You know, it's not it's not like they're imagining these things. Like no, yeah. it's it's full on action. Mm-hmm. You know, type of love Lovecraft action, which is something you don't really hear a lot about. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I appreciate that it. it this movie's only ninety five minutes long. Uh, I appreciate that too. It's yeah. it's not really ambitious in what it's trying to achieve or what it's trying to evoke from you it's a very in a way small despite the fact that it's a a pretty sizable but it's a pretty small movie and i think because of that it's it's easily digestible and it's it's easier to it doesn't have huge aspirations so it's easier to kind of view it as a successful effective film especially there is some talent involved in this i mean we've talked about Kristen stewart vincent cassell which yeah how do you uh, uh, pulling right. those two to this movie who are typically pretty choosy with the kind of things that they um, uh, do. Um, right. Some good supplemental talent with John Gallagher Jr. with um, uh, I forget the her first name Henwick is the last one but she plays Emily. Oh. Um, yeah. And it's one of the things that I that I was reminded of when watching again is it's shot very well. Uh, the it DP is, is yeah. a guy named uh, Bojan Bazelli who shot the ring and a cure for wellness for Gore Verbinski. So, oh, yeah. So th- this guy has a very good eye and can um, evoke moods very well. I was reminded of, um, not to harken back to my 2019 top ten again, but uh, <laughs> um, Ad Astra was my number three, and one of the things that I loved about that was how James Gray used the camera in certain shots to evoke a feeling of both loneliness and sort of mystery. Did you ever see Ad Astra? No, no, and I'm surprised because I love Brad Pitt, so, like, I don't know why I didn't get to see that yet. But but there are some, like, there, there's a sequence um, when Brad Pitt has to sneak onto a spaceship, which is taking off so that he can, because uh, it's, it's a crew that is going to a- attempt to track down the spaceship that his father's last transmission came from. Um, okay. And to sneak in, he's, he's actually underground, and he's, like, a, he's following a line through an underground, like, tube of, of water I, i'm not describing it very well but the camera sort of his pov as he's like hand over hand following the line and you see kind of because oh. of the light just the line in front of him but nothing else it's just darkness in front of him and it evokes this idea of we don't know what he's heading into he doesn't know what he's heading into it could be right. safe it could be dangerous it could be fine it could be horrific this movie does that a lot um even in like at the very beginning, after the the shit has hit the fan, and Kristen Stewart and uh, Rodrigo, that poor short-lived character, I know, oh, um, she's kind of like looking at the flashlight through this kind of crawl space, and you can see to a certain length ahead, but not far right. ahead, and it it just sets up this this mood and this tone. William Eubank is basically kind of like planting the seed in your mind, like this movie is going to be about you are not sure what is beyond, and. I kind of right. love that because it sets a good tone for for what we're going to watch. And it, it it and like you said, like it it continues throughout this film. Like every time they're going to a like almost like a new level. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you you know those flashlights, and then sometimes they have to shut those flashlights off because <laughs> it attracts these yeah. beasts, and that's horrifying mm-hmm. for for me. Like you know, like I've like. I, I never want to do one of those, uh, you know, those escape rooms, especially now. Like, I don't think those will even exist anymore because, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I've, I've had friends say, like, they've been in the ones that are total darkness and oh you can't see. And, like, 
you, you'll like people like actually like legit freak out, especially mm-hmm. if they don't realize how horrified they get from the darkness. And yeah, that's just scary because like you know, I think like people in general like you know, if I can't see like beyond, I'm not going that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go where the light is. You know, <laughs> yeah. like like there's you know you don't go down the dark alley because mm-hmm. you don't know what's beyond yep. and and this is and this film does it over and over again it's it's like and and they even reference like roller coaster and it is a roller coaster ride like mm-hmm. right from the start you you know you you're kind of calm and then boom and you're like okay this is you said it best shit hits the fan and <laughs> it doesn't let up no it, it not one one bit and like how how what is it? How how um, when the captain, you know, Vincent Cassell, Lucian says like how, how from one to ten, how bad is my Rick? Ten. ten. Like <laughs> it's bad. It's no lying, nothing. Yep. It's mm-hmm. just like this is shit like, mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, and 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 how they they plant seeds and uh, slowly build upon this idea that not just what the literal big bad is, but that there mm-hmm. is at the end something huge because even stuff like. They keep saying, was it an earthquake that got the rig? But that doesn't seem to be the case. And then um, right. there, there's that part where uh, Smith is saying, like, that this this uh, drill weighs 60,000 tons. What could have snapped it like that? And just and right. hinting, hinting that, like, beyond is going to be something mammoth and massive, both on a, a physical scale and just a, a an emotional scale. And, like, and I, I really like that. And, and I... I think I responded uh, well to it because also, here's a little bit of a confession. I find the ocean, at least the deep sea, pretty terrifying. Um, yeah. Not like in the sense of one, um, it's deep and it's dark <laughs> and there's a lot of it, but also just there's a lot of nothing. Um, yes. I mean, you know, we, we love the beach and we love, you know, um, coral reefs and we love fishing and we love that kind of stuff but then when you get out to like out there where i mean this takes place in in the bottom of the mariana trench which is the deepest part on on earth i believe um there's there's a whole lot of nothing and like on an existential level that scares me well yeah and like you know remember like you know it's crazy to think we've you know you, you know you hear about like you know scientists and like explorers and how much we've we've found and like discovered but we don't even know not even like like two percent of what is living mm-hmm. down below like every so often you'll hear about some sort of animal that li- like i forgot the fish that lives like deep down in one like basically i don't know if it's a mariana trench or somewhere like that and it's it's a it's a fish that basically lives in acid like (laughs) and like and and there's no and and the thing is we can't even get to it because we melt Mm -hmm. but yet this thing can just go in and out and just live in that and you're like or like you know the what 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 is the one fish one with the weird light that's the angler fish fish. that thing is horrifying looking you know you look (laughs) at these things and you're like like they have not been touched. They have not been like, you yeah. know, like fit. They, they, you know, they don't get fished out, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that, and, you know, we only know about like, you know, oh, great white shark and like these, but we only see glimpses of these other beasts, these other animals. And you're like, what else is down there? And that's kind of like what this is like, what, what, what could do this to like a 65,000 ton yeah. 
drill and you're like i don't want to know yeah we i believe the the stat is that we have explored more of space than we have of our own oceans which like we haven't really explored a whole lot of space like no um i I mean i I guess if if someone's really into astronomy they could they could uh they could fight me on that i mean especially if we talk about satellites and the voyager and that kind of stuff but it's just this idea of like we we look at space as this infinite expanse and we know more about it than we do the things which are right here on this planet below where we us. live yeah yeah right below us yeah and so it's so it's such a rife atmosphere for not just setting a horror film there but for setting a horror film there which speaks to this idea of what is outside and facing fears and like going out into the beyond basically and so and i yeah i so watching it again I liked it even more the second time because just like once you know the plot, once you kind of get that out, you can pay more attention to the themes and how the camera evokes stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's shot real well. The score, one thing that I didn't oh. notice uh, until this time around was um, throughout most, not most of the film, I guess the first half, once they kind of actually get down to the bottom and they start making the trek to Roebuck, uh, they lose it. But mm-hmm. there's, um, and then it picks back up again once. Kristen Stewart has gotten to Roebuck at the end. Uh, there's a kind of like an AI automated voice, which is kind of um, chiming yeah. in certain things, like which has sort of a a dark, like ironic wit to it. Because when the station has ruptured and everything is destroyed, and you can kind of hear it, and if I if I didn't have the subtitles on, I probably wouldn't have heard it. It's mm. saying something like, "If you have any complaints, speak to your superior officer." And yes. it, it's got this dark irony to it that I was reminded of. Now, I, Brian Duffield, one of the writers, I know him. I'm not good friends with him. I went to college with him, so we're, we're oh. kind of social. I know oh. he is a huge Jurassic Park fan. And you definitely get kind of a feel of that here where it's like, uh, we things were status quo and they're not, but then you have this AI voice kind of chiming in as like, nope, just business as usual, just like kind of continue on your merry way. And like, it, it's, there were a few moments when I kind of chuckled at that. It actually, and it's funny you say that because it kind of reminds me of like on the PS4, I've been playing uh, Alien Isolation. Okay. Which is the, the game about Ripley's daughter mm. actually trying to... F- like basically becoming what she, what Ripley herself was, you know, and trying, but using that to try to find where her mom is. Hmm. And there's parts when they, you know, you know, in one of the first scenes, you go to this, like this way, way station. And while walking around, you hear these announcements every so often that are like distorted and like, cause the place is destroyed mm-hmm. like, yeah. like and, and abandoned. And it's just every so often you hear like little, like almost like elevator music. And then just, and it's almost funny, but then also really creepy, especially when <laughs> you start walking around in the, in like some dark areas, and you and you're like, oh god, that's that's actually creepier than because I mean I've been playing for a few like maybe a couple of hours technically, and there's no alien yet, mm-hmm. there's nothing, you know, it's just you're trying to you know you're like, what the hell am I looking for? Yeah, because because you know from a from a story point of view, you know she's not going to find her mom. Yeah, because of we we know you know in aliens like she's dead by the time she mm. gets out you know but but I I was reminded of that and like I love that like yeah the Jurassic Park comparison is good and you were saying about like you know I I really like the actual the soundtrack um, 
mm-hmm. Marco Beltrami. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the composers who always does some good, like he does a lot of fun movies and stuff. And this one, like this, there's parts where if you listen to it, it, to me, it almost sounds like a riff on like Jaws, but like yeah, yeah. a fun a fun riff. You know, like it's not like he's copying it. It's like here's my little take on that because you, what's there, what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, yeah, it, this is a film that I I feel like. You know, at one point, like depending on whenever the Blu-ray comes out, like if if there's a lot, if it's packed, like if it has like commentary, if it has like a cool making of here and there, I'll probably pick it up because, like you you said, you've seen it twice now. My first time, like I enjoyed it. It was a it was a fun ride. You know, even though I had to cut it like in half from, <laughs> you know, watching it like at lunch. You know, like, you know, with with my mask on while. You know, trying to enjoy it. You know, this is like a, w- a weird time we live in. Yeah. But you know, watching it at like two thirty in the morning, when I was fully awake. You know, while you were nice, you were nicely <laughs> in slumber. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> but but it was enjoyable, and like and I mean, I I, I kind of find that you know comforting that every so often we'll, we you know we have some enjoyable films you know that we watch you know like like last episode The Mist. Yeah. That, but it's that's enjoyable in a different way. This is like, that's a little depressing. This, you know, even though it's like some shit, you know, people don't live, but it's it's a little more enjoyable than than the usual romp, you know, we we're used to. It, it is. It does end on a what is supposed to be a, a hopeful note, which is a, a good segue into talking mm-hmm. about there, there are. I would be interested to hear a commentary track because I am curious about specifically it feels a bit like there were cuts made to the movie um, mm-hmm. that there's kind of some stuff which is lacking because it's it's not a bad thing but I noticed there's a few moments of like crossfades fades to black where it kind of like it's it's almost sort of a, a way where it's like well we don't have a, a scene so we need to jump to something or maybe something right. has been cut out and so the jump is to uh the edit then doesn't make not that it doesn't make sense but the audience for the most part would kind of be like wait i thought we were just here what are we doing here now so you add the crossfade right. or the fade to black to kind of say like oh time passed and we've moved and that sort of thing so i wonder if there was some stuff that was cut out what may have been changed from the original script because not to get too inside baseball but uh you know the the screenwriting credits these two guys brian and adam it's the word and meaning they wrote it separately and brian has the story by credit which means that at one point he had the screenplay and there were so many rewrites done that another guy got credit for it so what was that initial one like what may have been changed because especially when it comes to two main things um the the way that we open and close with Kristen Stewart and her kind of meditations on thoughts and feelings those seem kind of half baked and yeah we know that there is a relationship that she is mourning the loss of so was there more about that and even there do seem to be minor hints and and some of which I picked up and some of which I had to to read about but minor hints that the company behind the drilling deliberately did what they did. Um, 
There, yeah, because even yeah. even like when uh, when she discovers Lucian's locker and there's like a map and it's, and with like uh, pins and, and like yarn or whatever that sort of thing, and so it, it right. seems like there's something there about an intention, kind of like the Wayland Utani basically of this universe, and like yeah, was that lost or were they just trying to be efficient? Like we don't, we're not telling you about it, or was there a mandate? Like no, get get this out. We don't care about this. Yeah, and and I mean even like at the you know. At the very end, like after the you know the climax of the film, you get more of that with like newspaper articles about they're going to drill there again. Yeah, like they're going back there. They don't care. And in interviews and, and with again, the survivors like, have been denied. Yeah, denied and and destroyed. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, and and I, you know, I kind of dig that, and it kind of makes me sad that it didn't do well because this could be like the start of a cool little franchise of sorts, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, them going back to kind of like alien to aliens, you know? Oh, wait, wait, what do you mean? You've, um, you have people living there, (laughs) you know, you know, like that's a powder keg about to go. So imagine if they send more people down there, like, cause we don't like from what we kind of gather, I mean, people died, but it's not a huge amount of people. From what you gather, like, like maybe like ultimately, like maybe the most 20 people, but I don't even think it's like, cause when you see a few bodies, like, you know, like they find three, but then like Lucian says this, this, and this. So it's not like this, like, oh my God, thousands of people died in this, in this waylay station, you know, this mining, you know, yeah. drill station. So, mm-hmm. but imagine like, oh no, well, we're doubling down. We, you know, we're sending more crew down there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and and who knows what else is there besides what we see? You mm-hmm. know, like like that's just maybe the start because, you know, you know, if you follow, you know, anything like Lovecraftian, like I don't think a an explosion is going to destroy, <laughs> you know, what we see. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you think that like? I mean, you know, the budget, like, I mean, I've heard people's, you know, when this movie came out and the whole, you know, the spoiler alert, you know, the beast is Cthulhu, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, the director, you know, has said, like, yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but I've heard other people say, like, like, you know, well, you know, this is before I saw the film, like, oh, it, it, it feels like it could have been anything and they just threw that in there. Mm hmm. But I don't feel that at all. I feel like it built to that. You know, like like we don't know what this big bad is. We only see its offspring mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call them. You know, like these smaller versions that are powerful like themselves. Yeah. These like fish people, you can say, you know, whatever <laughs> they are. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think they were Spanish, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> But they, they were definitely Innsmouthian, I would say. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right. So, but... I don't know what where where that like you know that commentary even came from like from people saying oh it, um yeah they, it could have been anything they just threw Cthulhu in there yeah but like it it builds to that like you know I mean if I almost like I'm kind of pissed that I knew it what it was mm-hmm. in a way like did you know when you went to see it no I I, I remember feeling. Or, or commenting uh, while watching it or leaving, like, you know, that, that thing had a real Cthulhu kind of vibe to it. And and in a way, right. I sort of appreciated that it had the 
homage or reference or what have you. And yeah, getting into it, I'm a little, a little uh, mm. disappointed that the director has confirmed it is Cthulhu because of it kind of for two reasons. One, then it it sort of is like, well, what are we talking about? It is in the sense of, uh, and just not even a rights thing, but just kind of a, a universe thing where it's like, because if, you know, Richard Stanley has said his third Lovecraft movie is going to be what we think it's going to be, which signals to me he's going to make The Call of Cthulhu. Um, so right. then are are we to believe then that these are shared universes or and it this is a nitpicking thing but it 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 signals not that it signals uh but to me it more speaks to by saying yes it is it's more lip service and not you were intending to make a cthulhu movie because here's the thing mm-hmm. it builds to a reveal of something but with the exception of this one thing, which is uh, the company is Tian Industries, T-I-A-N, which Lovecraft Tian. Uh, see what we're doing yeah, there. Um, I know. <laughs> with, the ex- with the exception of that, there's nothing that would indicate this is a Lovecraft world or a world in which people are aware of Lovecraft and that thing. So it, it, mainly, it mainly kind of felt like, um, you know how a lot of the uh the star wars prequels didn't feel organic but more just well we're gonna throw in or you know what no it senses at the forefront of my mind fucking fantastic beasts and where to find them i love harry potter those movies are objectively not good and despite the fact that they're being written by the woman who created the harry potter universe a lot of the stuff just kind of feels like not organic, but just, hey, you know the Lestrange family? Here's a character named Lestrange. Like, it's not building to anything. It's just, you felt like you had to throw that in there because. And because, it's, like you said, it's fan service almost. Like, oh, get it? Like, yeah. And, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so I, I'm not I'm not mad, um, but I, yeah. it, it, it does sort of feel like um, Eubank maybe being a Lovecraft fan was sort of like, hey, I made this movie and here's my chance to make a Lovecraft thing. Whereas maybe the screenwriter is sort of like, wait, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> that And I, I, I'd actually be very interested in reading like the original screenplay to see if there's any like hint at it or if it's just like, no, I'm, I'm making a cool underwater horror film where there's just this big you know beast underwater you know like like and that's it like and it's and it's offspring and that's it like nothing else or who knows how much it was changed between Mm. both writers you know maybe the second writer said hey i could throw cthulhu in here oh really oh yeah let's do it (laughs) yeah i mean who knows i mean we we we, unless you know we can find the original screenplay you know we won't know i mean and i agree with you i mean i it was one of those things when you finally see it like in the, you know, in the distance with like the, the flashing light and like behind it. And it's just mm. glimpses. It's, it's done really well. Like, yeah. You know, it's like mm. this thing you're like, what the hell is that? You don't even, you kind of look at it like how big is it? How mammoth this thing is. And it's just there. And, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, again, I mean, it's offspring are like, you know, kind of like attacking, but it's just like, so mammoth. It's just, it's just like, what is this thing in front of me that, oh, 
basically, in, from what I get, it awakened. You know, yeah, it awakened it, and it's like pissed. It's like, you know, I was I was trying to sleep, and now <laughs> now I'm gonna destroy you all. So who knows? You know, it's like, so now like you know when <laughs> Kristen Stewart you know is stuck down below and says, I'm gonna light this bitch up or whatever she says. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or, um, to me that's just a minor inconvenience. It's like okay. Maybe maybe it goes to slumber for a little bit again. You know, okay, I guess I'm gonna go back to sleep. You know, <laughs> and yeah. that's it. And you're like, oh shit, okay, that's that's cool. Like, I mean, it's just a, you know, it's not gonna destroy it. You know. Yeah, and and maybe maybe that's part of my my complaint as well. Is that like to think like, mm-hmm. oh, you've introduced Cthulhu just to have him be there for a few minutes and then blow him up. It's like, mm, eh. but I I, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess my my. To put my argument or my complaint more succinctly, if it's Cthulhu, have it exist in the text, um, in the sense of when she was going through Lucian's locker, hey, maybe there's a copy of like the ne- Necronomicon or something in there. And, something, and I, yeah. I don't, I don't mean the actual book of like you know flesh and, and blood, but like that there is that like that book from like the '80s called the Necronomicon that was uh-huh. featured in the Color Out of Space, Stanley's Color Out of Space. Like maybe it's there tucked away, but just more hints that this is in this universe and then when he comes out like oh this is a culmination instead of once again getting back to jk rowling oh dumbledore was gay oh really because that didn't exist anywhere until you told us that he was gay have it be in the text so that this is not a surprise it's more of like oh yeah that makes sense kind of a thing like like, yeah you you start to put the pieces together Mm -hmm. like oh wow how how did i notice not like oh you know just but J.K. Rowling's a whole other story. Yeah, right yeah, now. But, yeah. but the less speaking about it, the better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it. Like I said again, I wish it did well enough. And who knows? Maybe on Blu-ray and like home video, whatever, mm-hmm. it'll yeah. it'll get that fan base, you know, from people talk like us talking about it. Go. And people will go, oh, and then maybe Disney will go, oh, okay, maybe we have a little bit of a, maybe a little bit of franchise here. Like, we mm-hmm. don't even know. Let's, maybe we'll put a little more. And, you know, $80 million, you know. It's not nothing. No, that's a, that's a big chunk of change from before, you know, the Disney buyout. So it's like, wow. Ultimately, it's like an $80 million, you know, film just to get Cthulhu on, <laughs> on the big screen. Like, yes, see? Well, and, gotcha. and even the bigger lament is a box office failure for an original science fiction property. Um, like, you know, yeah. go out to see original stuff. Go out to like prove to Disney that there is more to the market than just the. And now I, <sighs> I like the MCU. I've seen most of them in the theaters. I look forward to them. But it's also like, but I, I have an appetite for more than just that. So show that there is. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know that there's um, what am I looking for? Space in the market for for original stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, the problem with like you know at Disney is they'll they'd rather just remake their cartoons into live action <laughs> over and over and over again. And to me, it's just like it's bad when the animated version's more life is 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 isn't as lifeless as the live action ones that they've made, mm-hmm. you know, like Beauty and the Beast and, you know, Aladdin and the Lion King, which I don't know how that can be considered live action because it's <laughs> animated again. Like, 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 like what? But 
but what what you know going back to Lovecraft or Lovecraftian stuff, it's not tidy. It's it's very, you know, you know, it, it, there's no reason behind it. There's no yeah, and where where, where the reason for bringing it out? But like, it's not you know again. I'm kind. I, I kind of appreciate it. like yeah, they're looking at it as oh my god, we're fucked, you know, what the hell. But <laughs> yeah. they don't really say, you know, they never say once, like, oh, it's evil, oh, it's trying to kill, you know, I mean, and I kind of appreciate that too. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not, mm-hmm. it's not like some movies where, you know, people will say it's Lovecraftian and we, we you know, we'll watch it and go, well, is it because there, there, there should not be any good or evil with certain characters or certain beings? Like, sure, you know, like even like something like Cabin in the Woods, the, the the old one you know the god the old gods that they reference mm. they just want sacrifices but it's not because of good or evil it's just that's what they want from this organization yeah yeah and I appreciate that you know when when it's done like that tongue you know even if it's tongue in cheek a little bit it's better than some films I've watched where it's like oh again you know oh it's got tentacles and oh it's <laughs> it's it's evil it's bad mm. it's like no, like you've no, like I understand if it's like humans um, worshiping these things and they they're fucking dumb. Sure. And and like oh praise Cthulhu, it doesn't give a shit. Like no. if you're praising it, it's just gonna <laughs> swat you away, you know. And that's when it's like done well. Where it's like get out of here. <laughs> like who are you? And and that's one thing that I so. Going back to the tea and industry things, one of the uh, one of the little um, sound bites that I didn't pick up on, but IMDb uh, trivia clued me into, was um, at the beginning. I think during the opening credit sequence or something, there's one that says, uh, uh, "Tea and Industries, we have big things in store for you," which is another kind of like foreshadowing moment. But um, I, I I do like the idea because in in Lovecraft stories and and in particular in the Call of Cthulhu, it is some type of cult or religious group which is right. responsible for trying to summon him trying to contact opening these dimensions blah 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 and so one of the recurring themes in lovecraft stuff is this idea of um touching a void or opening a, a dimension that we have no control over and don't understand and sure enough bad things happen because of that i i yeah. do like the idea of that cult in this world, which I think is like 2050 or something like that, being yeah. industry. Instead of a bunch of religious people in robes doing a ceremony, it is a company with a bottom line who is unconcerned with literally tapping the depths of the earth and summoning whatever comes out of it. I, I like that mm-hmm. equivalent, even though it's not explicit. It, it's kind of there in the in the subtext or between the lines, which I really kind of appreciate. Having said that, Feel free to disagree with me, James, or the listener. <laughs> I don't consider this to be a Lovecraftian film. Je- I know Jerry Smith on our episode on The Miss mentioned, and I haven't found corroboration with this yet, in full disclosure I haven't really looked, but mentioned that in the original script the creature was a giant shark of some kind. I've, I've heard, yeah, when he said that I've heard that too, and that's where I came from where it's like, was it just thrown in there? Yeah. And if that's true, yeah. And I agree with you, actually. Like, I mean, I think certain things are, like, hinted at Lovecraftian, but I don't think it's straight up, 
oh, this is a Lovecraftian film. Like, yeah. like it just so happens to have some stuff that you could consider Lovecraft adjacent, but <laughs> is it actually Lovecraft or Lovecraftian? It, you know, there's more to it than just, oh, it's got tentacles. Oh, mm -hmm. it's something that looks like, or it is Cthulhu. It doesn't make it Lovecraftian then. Yeah, and I, I like that term, Lovecraft adjacent. Um, <laughs> yeah, because even on like an emotional level, the the film ends on what is supposed to be kind of a hopeful note. There's like there's redemption, and there and there's kind of a, a positivity about that. Um, and I talked about my existential fear of responding to this movie, but that's because of a personal thing for me and my response to the deep sea, the ocean. There, there's not a whole lot that is that we see as recurring themes in his stuff, which I see a lot in here, other than, once again, Cthulhu. And, and to, to be clear, I'm not shitting on the idea of it being a giant shark, but the fact that it, it you could so easily swap it out and not really lose or gain anything kind of seems to indicate that it's the Lovecraftian elements are not in the DNA, but just kind of on the surface of the story. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the probably the change, like, I mean... I try to, you know, then now I'm like trying to think of this, you know, when Kristen Stewart's, you know, character looks and sees this thing and she, like she can't even, she can't even say anything except for like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, you know, like, 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 you know, I can't see that. I can't see that reaction, even if it's like a huge shark. I can't see that reaction. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like. To me, it would just be too common. I don't know, because, like, so many films, you know, there's so many shark films, killer shark films, and some are really good, mm -hmm. and some are just the worst bottom-of-the-barrel shit ever. <laughs> it's a lot more shit than high brow. You know, for every Jaws, there's 20 Sharktopus films, you know, or Sharknado. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. There's all those, and, like, you know, don't get me wrong. I I, I love a film like Deep Blue Sea, mm -hmm. but it's not a good film. You yep. know, and like and and you know what is it? Oh, they're they're smart sharks. Their brains are better. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> that. That's what makes them really kill. You know, killer mm -hmm. sharks. Like they, they have a, they can actually think you. You know, like I'm like okay, but like I can't. You know, I almost can't. I I can't see this film with a shark. Like it would. It, I don't know that. Like, I mean, also, if it had a shark, we wouldn't be talking about it. Yeah, well, and, and my wife even made the point last night, like, if it was a shark, then it'd basically be the Meg. Uh, and, and that yeah, I, did, I, did, I didn't see that, actually. <laughs> and that, that movie already exists. So, <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I guess it, it also does lose that element of, um, I, I mean, my the opening quote, which is what Emily says, this, this mm -hmm. idea of, of we shouldn't be here, and, like, what did we dig up, and, and that mystery of, like, I mean, when they find that, when they shoot that little clinger thing and they're yes. just like what what is this thing this is this has to be a new species we've never seen anything like this it has before. no eyes yeah it has no eyes and it's like okay that's you know what you know like it almost seems like the script with a shark like how different could that be like it would have to be completely different because well you have little sharks that, <laughs> you know what i mean like that's right. not that's scary. I've seen little sharks. Like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, they're kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Some of them are cute. They have little teeth. You know, yeah. They, they, they don't. They can't hurt you that much. But, yeah. but you know, this thing that you see in the beginning, you see the little one. It's like, oh, is that a baby? And then you see the next stage of them, which is like, kind of like you said, like very in mouth, like yeah, you know, humanoid, 
you know, sea creatures, and yeah. then you see the big baddie, you know, like, it builds up to that. I, I, I don't know, I I don't think the film would be be as effective, even though it's not a Lovecraftian film, I don't think it'd be as effective as the sh- sharks. Yeah. No, I mean, maybe like a giant squid or something I could see. But... Yeah, I could see a squid, you know, like like some sort of weird, like, like I remember, I don't know if you've ever seen a show of Red Dwarf. I have not. Okay, it's a British sitcom, and it was one episode where there's this thing called the despair squid. Okay. And it's basically, it's when it basically shoots its, like, you know, black mist, you know, on mm-hmm. on people. It makes them so depressed that they kill themselves. Oh. It's a suicide, like, you know, like, it's, and it's such a, like, really, like, crazy thing. I remember, this is a sitcom, you know, it's a sitcom, mm-hmm. but but they make it funny but such depressing stuff but like when they're looking around this thing they're like oh these these fish but they're dead and it's like what do you mean they're dead like they're in what yeah but they they drowned like oh. how does a fish drown that's how depressed it was that uh-huh. it just stopped breathing you know and like people just like shooting their you know brains out and stuff and it's like why and say so, and then you realize why it's just this despair squid and like that would have been cool, like something that just like fucks with their minds and stuff. But you know, we get you know, good old Cthulhu just doing his thing, you know, just minding his own business and <laughs> fucking shit up. You know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let him sleep because uh, we see what happens when when you yes. when you poke the sleeping bear. Um, one one last thing is it's a minor thing. I had forgotten. The sequence when Kristen Stewart is uh, trying to walk into the Roebuck and there's all those, the clingers are kind of like there and she's trying to navigate to them. And one that wakes up literally tries to eat her alive like it's wrapping its oh. entire mouth. Like, I had forgotten yeah. about that and I was like, oh my god, this is so, this is yeah, so gross. She's like, yeah, she's like, what the fuck? Like, like, help me? And then she just like rips out of him. Like, yeah. like okay, Shoots cool. Shoots off like... the flare, rips out of him. <laughs> yeah, you don't, um, I was going to yeah. say, you don't recover from that, but then again, she ultimately blows herself up, so I guess she didn't recover from anything, I suppose. But, um, James, any any final thoughts on uh, Underwater? Um, the only thought, no, final thought I had was I was happy at the, I think it was the 50 to 52 minute mark when T.J. Miller gets horribly killed. Oh, bl- very that was, bloody, that was yes. Yeah. Very bloody, very, mm-hmm. like, just ripped out. Actually, he gets ripped out of his suit, right? I don't know if like he gets, of, like, his leg definitely gets ripped off. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Because he says that earlier, what could rip someone out of a suit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it happens to him. Well, so no, like, I, I think, I think John Gallagher Smith says that after they... Oh, was that him? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I, I don't know. T.J. Miller's character had weird lines, and then he had the little bunny rap, I don't know. Like, well, okay, well, once again, IMDb <laughs> trivia, apparently... The original concept was for it to be a real rabbit, so eh, so he was he was treating it as such because I guess the idea would be like this would just be a fill in scene or they'd replace it with like CGI. So they were they were treating this stuffed animal as a real thing and then it just stayed a stuffed animal. I you know I kind of appreciate that more actually <laughs> like that it's just he it's almost like his comfort like it's like his blanket yeah. like Linus's blanket it's like. This is, you know, like, oh, you better take care of this. Yeah, it, yeah, humanizes a, yeah, humanizes a 
truly uh, scummy human being. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't have a, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, I'd be curious to see what, uh, what William Eubank will do next. Um, he, I didn't recognize any of the stuff he did, but he did that movie in 2014, the signal. Did you ever see that? Yeah, actually. And that film is, I mean, you, you could say like, it's not Lovecraftian, but it has like that, that slant a little bit. Okay. Of, like, you know, something from space that's the signal mm-hmm. and like, what is it? What's what's talking to to us? So that's why, like, when I when I realized it was the same director, I'm like, oh, okay. Like now it kind of makes a little more sense. So, and even though he didn't write this, I don't know. He might have he might have threw you know threw in his own two cents. Like, hey, I want it to be more like this. Bring bring that up more. You know. So I have to rewatch the signal to see if it's. Lovecraftian or Lovecraft adjacent. Like, <laughs> that'll that'll be a new shirt for us. Lovecraft adjacent. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean he's he's clearly got some talent. This this movie mm-hmm. deserved a better fate than it got. Yeah. Um, it, so we'll see what uh what he's what he comes out with in the future. But speaking mm-hmm. of the future, uh, this is the final episode for July, which means August will be coming up, which means new guests and new themes. We haven't. <laughs> As is often the case, we haven't worked out all the kinks just yet, but um, we are thinking since, you know, full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, um, most direct adaptations of Lovecraft we have gone through, especially when it comes to, let's say, the good ones or the ones of, of higher quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's true, too, with uh, even a lot of films that we consider spiritual adaptations. So we've... James and I have talked about how we can keep the podcast going without kind of blazing through every single movie that we can think of. So we're looking toward the realms of non-films and other media properties, basically. Mm -hmm. So in August, we're going to look to things which are not films, uh, specifically TV and uh, and, uh, video games. So um, Mm -hmm. recently I was a guest on the Battleship Retention podcast talking about um, movies that have plots which might be nullified be due to um um antiquated technology um mm. f- for instance uh what would um leonard's quest in memento look like if he had a cell phone or a smartphone um right. but um and, and so i got to talking to them and they have expressed interest in in joining us and so it seems like uh I'm not sure which one's coming first probably david Bax because we want to bring him on at some point to talk about dreams in the witch house a uh the last Stuart Gordon Lovecraft property that he did for the um, Masters of Horror Showcase on Showtime years ago that only lasted two seasons and was gone mm-hmm. gone too soon, I think, James. I agree. I mean, I, I enjoyed that series. Even even when it was a bad episode, I, I appreciated, like, a new horror, like, anthology series. Yeah. You know, every so often now, there's Creepshow on Shudder. Mm-hmm. You know, not not the best, but... No, okay. not not the not the worst either. Just you know, some good ones, some mad ones. But not not everything can be like I I always joke about this. Not everything can be the Twilight Zone. Sure, yeah. And that's probably another thing we'll probably be covering some uh, <laughs> Rod Serling um, later Rod Serling stuff, which I'm excited about. Did you ever see NBC's Fear itself? No, I. You know what? I I meant to. That was like one season, right? I that think. that one that one was only that one was only one season. It mm-hmm. was it was sort of um, I believe 
It was also Mick Garris because of what yes. happened with uh, Masters of Horror, which only lasted two seasons. But um, right. it, it wasn't bad. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of hampered a bit because it was network TV, so they couldn't be violent and it couldn't be, you know, that sort of stuff. But also some some pretty good ones and some not so good ones, but uh, better than, than network horror uh, would have um, been, you think. But anyway, uh, that's that's a long way of saying Dreams in the Witch House, which is an adaptation mm-hmm. of the Lovecraft story. Um, from Masters of Horror, we'll be talking about that one. And uh, Tyler Smith will be joining us to talk about a computer game called Quest for Glory, which I had never heard of, but James had. Yes, there's many of those games. Like, there's, I think, five of them? I think five Quest for Glory games. Mm-hmm. Um, and- yeah, but specifically, yeah, he says that the fourth one, Shadows of Darkness, um, not only paid tribute to Russian folktales, but heavily incorporated Lovecraftian imagery and plotting. And um, yes. I... I I, I guess I'll have to watch some playthroughs or trailers because I, I've never heard of this before. But Sierra um, is the company that put it out, and I was a big fan of King's Quest VI when I was a, a youngin. So I, I, I'm inclined to like what Sierra put out into the world. Yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it. Um, what's great about it is the narrator for that game is John Reese Davis. Oh, really? And he's he's amazing because throughout it, he's just poking fun at you especially if you fuck up <laughs> he's just like why would you touch that like you know you're like okay this is the greatest game ever and i remember playing that you, you i mean you could probably get it for a really cheap like probably like on either on steam or gog mm-hmm. get it for like less than like two bucks okay it's worth it, yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm going to see if I have an extra copy. Maybe I'll send you send it your way. I mean, I, I do have a Mac instead of a PC. Will that be a problem? I don't know. I mean, I there might be a Mac version. I'll, I'll look. I'll look into it for you. Right. Well, anyway, but yeah. So that that <laughs> the, we, we will we'll be expanding our range a little bit to kind of um, lay the groundwork and the precedent, at least for thing for covering things which are not uh, specifically going to be Lovecraft filmic adaptations. Um, I I recently just got done reading Lovecraft Country. I would Mm -hmm. highly recommend it to you, James, and to anyone else. I know I actually kind of complained about it on our Facebook page and said it was just kind of fine. I saw Uh, that, yeah. um, The the more I read it, the more I I kind of warmed up to it. It it, it took a while because, so, Lovecraft, one of the things I loved about his stories are how eloquent his language is. Um, Mm -hmm. Matt Ruff's prose is very not that. It's very straightforward and... um, it, it took a while for me to get into that, but then once I kind of got into it, it's, it's actually quite a good book, and I'm currently in the process of listening to um, The Fear of God, which is a podcast um, where two guys of faith talk about horror films. They've interviewed mm. Matt Ruff, so nice. I wanted to reach out to them. Maybe we can get them on the show to uh, talk about once Lovecraft Country actually airs on, on HBO, we can see what we can do. But we, we just <clears throat> we're going to eventually run out of Lovecraft filmic adaptations, so... We're, we're expanding our reach a bit, so next month in August will be the two guys from Battleship Retention talking about various non-filmic properties. Um, but so stay tuned to our, our Twitter page and our Twitter page, our Twitter feed and our Facebook page. There it is. I only woke up a little bit ago. Um, it's okay. To, to, uh, to stay in, 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 in the loop with what we will be doing uh, and who will be joining us next time on uh, the Castle Cthulhu, but in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with Dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. Really, uh...